Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers. That's what you get on the show. We're presented uh, by Progressive Insurance. An argument about who was more culturally relevant, NWA or... Wu Tang Clan. Oh, the show have, know, That's we what have. we are arguing about leading into the show. Well, by the it way. wasn't yet a, yet an argument. It was uh, thrown out there as a topic for yes. discussion. Mm-hmm. No, so. I think it, I think it was going to devolve into an argument, though, Max. Yeah. No Maybe. question about you it. You were about to go hard, Max. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, no. It's not about going hard. It's about you, when you say, "Well, for the culture," this. Now, I'm not going to argue that. What I'm saying is, one group wasn't around long enough to have a catalog deep enough, right? Mm. Another group puts out albums, after, even if they're not popular, but when you start to dig through, you have a thousand songs. To me, you know. Yeah, yeah we'll but both that. of the groups had artists that put out solo albums. A lot of and them. And if you want to take it that route, Dre has been around forever. Cube has been around forever. Snoop is the one. It's like, it was not NWA, but it's affiliated. Like, yeah. Snoop. Oof. So you're talking about day. legends. The same way we're going to be talking about Paige Beckers, pretty much, from UConn. Legendary. Yeah, that's right. Just know that. Legendary. Just, just know that, people out there. Paige Beckers will go down as one of the legendary players in the game of basketball. There's no question. Yes. Especially when you show up on the biggest stage. In the biggest moments, the best player shows up on the biggest stage and wins the game, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, 15 points in both overtimes, that'll, that'll do it. I oh, mean, you think so? Oh, no question about it. <laughs> yeah. you, get your, you get your NIL money in the regular season, uh, but you make your legacy in the postseason. Ain't that what we say, Jay? Mm-hmm. Look, you heard it in the open, right? The best game of March Madness, UConn in double overtime beats NC State. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Guys, here's Gino Ariema. In case you're unfamiliar, the winningest head coach in the universe, right? UConn head coach, the postgame presser about the quality of the game that UConn just won. If you watch the game, there's really not much uh, that you can say to add to it. And it was pretty remarkable. Um, it's, it's one of the best it's one of the best games I've ever been a part of since I've been at UConn. Uh, regular season, postseason, it doesn't really matter. So shame on us. Shame on us. Because every time we have these type of conversations, Gino Ariema's name is not mentioned. We talk about the greatest coaches in all sports. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say it, man. I, I think he's the greatest coach in sports history. Think 14 straight Final Fours. Let me repeat myself. Never be done again. 14 yeah. straight Final Fours. Since his arrival in 1985, UConn women's basketball has won 51 regular season and tournament titles, advanced to 22 Final Fours, posting six perfect seasons, and won 11 national championships. Six perfect, undefeated seasons. Six, not one, not two, six all the championships LeBron, D. Wade, and Chris Boss thought they were going to win. He's had six Perfect seasons. I, the game of basketball has never seen anything like this. The dominance is John Wooden-like, but it's, it's transcended into 2022. It's incredible what we're witnessing. No doubt about it. I mean, the guy has had unprecedented success at this level, but I would think about some of the predecessors that laid the groundwork for Geno to be possible. And to me, the top of mind when it comes to the women's college game is Pat Summit. 
Like, she's the one. I mean, you're talking about eight national championships, but more than that, just the development of the game and being able to get women's basketball to a point where they're able to get that exposure. Gino was able to benefit from that by being able to develop a powerhouse in UConn, being able to recruit all across the country because he didn't really have a whole lot of competition when it came to women actually going to places where they were on TV on a regular basis. That's what, and that's I, think what I, that's, I think that's an advantage that Gino Ariyama has built in, baked in to the success that he's had at UConn, not to dismiss any of it. But that's one of the things that actually matters when it comes to being able to get the best and the brightest to come to your program. When you have a lot of talent, it makes it a little bit easier from an X's and O's point standpoint to coach. Although in college, college sports, recruiting is at least half of why we consider someone a great coach, right? I, but you bring up an interesting point to me, or at least you spark something for me, Chris. Chris Canty sitting in for Keyshawn Johnson today on Keyshawn J. Willemax, ESPN Radio. You... You bring up and Jay, this is the question for you because and it's tough maybe because you played for Coach K, right? But you bring up John Wooden, right? And Chris, what you just said to me in a in a smaller in a in a smaller population, you get wilder deviations from the mean. What does that mean? The fewer coin flips, right? The more you might have eight heads, two tails. Mm-hmm. The, you flip it more and more, mm-hmm. you get more 50-50, right? The fewer people in a population, the more you're going to have outliers who are 10 times better than everyone else and then also on the other end 10 times worse, right? So in those conditions, John Wooden can exist. In these conditions, like in men's, the men's game today where it's everywhere, right? A million players. Very difficult to be Coach K, so my question for you, Jay, is Gino Oriema is existing in a universe that's more similar to John Wooden's. Mm-hmm. If, you have, if, you're, if you have an advantage, you might be 10 times better than everyone else. Coach K is in a much more homogenized world where it's harder to be that. Therefore, I ask you, Jay Will, the question, one of Coach K's greatest players ever and most accomplished, who's the greater coach? All that said, I'm not going to go there. I'm not, I, 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 I refuse to do this as an athlete, right? Because when, the reason why I initiated the conversation by saying shame on us is that it feels like Gino's name is always omitted when we're talking about who the greatest coaches of all time are. And I get what you're saying, Max, because the one and done era has changed so much in basketball and seeing how he's been able to accomplish championships with 2015, 2010. I get all that. I, and he's in that upper echelon. It's the same reason I'm not going to get into the debate about Michael Jordan and LeBron James anymore with you because I think we're talking about one-on-one. I just don't like the fact that we don't put his name in those type of upper, upper, upper echelon Let me conversations. Let me rephrase the question. You see how he's Who coming at Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to let it go. <laughs> Who had a greater impact on the – like a greater impact on the game of basketball? Coach K – or Gino Ariema. I think there's a good case for Gino in terms of impact on college ball because you're you're helping to further open it up for half the population that generally did not participate in the past, right? Well, well, yeah, Max, by the sheer dominance that Gino has had at UConn, it's forced people to pay attention, and then just the longevity that they've been able to experience with that program being at the upper echelon of the women's game, I think that is what pulls people in. That's what gets people to pay attention. That's the hook. But then once you got them in there, then you're exposed to all of these other programs throughout the course of March Madness because you want to see UConn chase perfection 
But then on the way, you see other programs develop, like what we've seen from Stanford, like what we've seen from Arizona, South like Carolina. what we've seen from South Carolina. That's the Geno effect, though. That's still it? the one that hurts me, though, Jay Williams, because South Carolina and UVA alum, how she's not the women's head coach. We don't have to it's go there. Me. I digress. But I'm just saying, you get exposed to all of these other different programs. So when you have that greatness, when when people tune in to watch UConn, especially this time of year, to see them chase another championship, you start paying attention to all these other teams that you can't This have is to the go Pat through. Summit. You brought up Pat Summit earlier. She had an, a similar influence. Now you have Gina mm-hmm. R. Emmett. Yep. So, so, like, isn't that culturally a bigger impact than someone like Coach K, whose coaching may be even more impressive given the, the competitive circumstances? But how can you even influence the game once it's like the men's game already to the extent that Gino can influence the women's game? But see, you know? see, see, here's what happens when Max poses these type of arguments. You have to diminish one's value to win a debate for the other. And what I'm saying is I'm not diminishing either. I'm not asking value. you to do that. Well, you're asking me to, who has more impact. You said impact. who's more Who has more of an impact on the game. It's not, it's not a diminishing. It's a, it's a, look, sports is about creating hierarchies. So there is, a, it's a zero They're sum in the sense the that. the highest of hierarchies. Though, and and that's why sports. it's an interesting question. Because you're comparing two titans, right? That's why it's interesting. I don't that's know, fair. man. Final Four is over five different decades. I, I mean. <laughs> Think about the name. I mean, you're talking about Paige Beckers now. I mean, Maya Moore. Diana Taurasi, yeah. I mean, and she she's still playing. She's still balling out. Fair Diana Taurasi is one of my favorite Maya basketball Moore, players to Maya ever Moore, watch. Maya yeah. Moore quit basketball. Maya Moore, one of the most yeah. lethal players who ever played the game for women's basketball, quit basketball. Like, and her story is tremendous, by the way. So, like, the legacy that both of these guys have imprinted on the game, the respective sports, one of one. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Thanks to uh, Matt Doyle on Twitter for this. The U.S. men's national team needs to win, draw, or lose by 5 nothing or less against Costa Rica on Wednesday to advance directly to the World Cup. A forfeit is a 3 nothing loss in the book. The U.S. missed the World Cup four years ago. Now, every word I just said is in English, and I understand each one individually. <laughs> but somehow put together, I cannot make heads or tails of the meaning. So, Evan... Our producer is always trying to get soccer in this show. Is it soccer? Is that a hard C? Is it football. It's just football. Sachet? How does it pronounce? No, oh, we football. know football, football is king in America, so it's just called football. Football, yes. Football. So, so um, Evan, 
please explain what, what it is I just said and what this all means. Yeah, so the U.S. is one, they have one game left in World Cup qualifying. Everybody's excited because they missed the World Cup four years ago. They are like this close to going to Qatar for the World Cup at the end of this year. So they only need to win, which is easy, right? Draw, which is a tie, or lose by 5 nothing or less because of the goal differential, and they will be in the World Cup, no doubt. But why take that risk of losing 5 nothing when a forfeit goes in the book as 3 nothing? So the U.S., I'm asking you guys as athletes, would you just say, U.S., you know what? You guys should, like, pretend there's a COVID outbreak in your team, forfeit the game against Costa Rica, and then you're automatically in the World Cup. Is this ridiculous? Evan, can you lie on an injury report? Yeah, are you allowed? Yeah, are yeah, you allowed? I don't possible? know. I don't know any of this. All I know is when I went to Matt Doyle's Twitter and read all of the replies, everybody was suggesting the U.S. should fake a COVID outbreak. So clearly, no. people in the soccer world think this could happen. You got to earn it. Well, here's they the did thing. earn it by putting themselves in this position. Thank so you, if Chris. they forfeit, Thank you. it's a no, 3 0 loss, no, we, we then they get in. Well, the name of the game is American to get in the tournament. Do you actually care how you get into the tournament? Yeah, but you don't forfeit. Well, I don't care. What do you Jay, mean? Jay, here's the question. If you have to lie about it, then, then you're breaking the rules. But if the rules are set up, let's say you didn't have to lie. You could just forfeit the game. If the rules are set up a certain way that incentivize forfeiture, then you're being competitive by – like, you're like, well, it goes against the – the point is to try to win a championship. Yes. Right? Take the sure thing. And, it's just and, smart. So why not just win the game? Because you it's have a risk on of the losing. road in Costa Rica. That's hard to win on the road in World Cup qualifying. Why, by the way, by the way, this is this is okay. Okay, okay, okay. Let me say something. You guys are trying to make this, soccer not corrupt. It's a corrupt game anyway. So why not corrupt this is, it? This is this is, this is if, if they forfeit. This is why. Cutters. This is why I wouldn't rock with Amer- with American football. Yes. This is you know why? Because our women's team wouldn't do that. Kristen Press wouldn't do that. Right. Like Carly Lloyd wouldn't do that. Abby Wambach wouldn't do that. Keyshawn J. Willimax, ESPN Radio, mm-hmm. Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Chris Canty in for Key today. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guys, the NBA is on ESPN Radio. You got errands to run, whatever you got to do. You're working. Well, you don't have to miss anything. Just put, put on the – you know how good sports is on the radio? Tune in tonight as the Mavs host the Lakers, driving around, taking care of business, and getting all your sports in there, following everything. Don't miss a thing. Presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern. On most ESPN radio stations. So, guys, LeBron and AD are both doubtful for the Lakers. In mm. other words, it's Tuesday. Mm. Right? Like, <laughs> if, the, if the day of the week ends in day, it means LeBron and AD are doubtful. Should the Lakers shut down LeBron James at this point, Jay? I've been saying this. What are we doing? For the first time, anyone will ever ask this question and answer it. Jay, should he be shut down? Just answer the question. Yes, 1,000% he has. So he's missed multiple games because of his left knee, correct? Multiple games at 37 years old. Now he has a sprained left ankle. You're half a game ahead of the Pelicans for the 10th spot. Do any of you believe, Max, how long have I been saying this to you? The whole time you're holding on to hope, you and Key in the back of the boat with the, with the life vest on saying, hey, there's still a chance. It doesn't matter if you return AD. This team is not going to win a championship. So LeBron James competing at an ultimate high level with a left sore knee that can hinder him, with a left twisted ankle, now you're going to try to have him come back and play on those injuries and, and average 40 points in order for you to make the play-in tournament? 
Focus for what's coming up next, which is the health of LeBron James, CC. Well, here's what I'll say, Jay. We're, we're acting like the Lakers organization has a choice in the matter. They don't. This is about LeBron James being able to contend for a scoring title at age 37, and he's probably going to do the bare minimum in order to accomplish that. But beyond that, the ceiling for this Lakers team, even if they do get into the playoffs, is a first-round exit because they can't defend. This is a team outside of LeBron James that has no structure on the offensive end. I mean, they're dead in the water. Now, it is a good sign that Anthony Davis is back in his full go at practice, but he's still doubtful, and we're talking about a short runway to the end of the regular season. So how much of a difference is Anthony Davis going to make down the stretch and potentially in the play-in? I don't know. They even struggled when Anthony Davis was on the court. So in looking at the situation right now with the Spurs beating the Rockets last night and being a half game behind the Lakers for that 10th spot, I think there's a real possibility that the Lakers could miss the play-in. So ultimately, what is LeBron James playing? Made the play-in. So what? You're going to get bumped in the first exactly, round. exactly. So what is so so what is so what is LeBron James hey, playing for if it's not CC, to get a scoring? And title? he already has a scoring title. Like he, he's averaging thirty, but not at age thirty. Yeah, he has thirty point one points per game. Next in place, Joel Embiid at twenty nine point. Yeah, he can sit so out right the rest now, of the season. He can sit out. Qualify, yeah. It takes Joel Embiid a crazy. Wait, Jay, how many games do you need to qualify though? I mean, he's qualified. He's he'll qualify if he doesn't play anymore. Yeah, he's qualified. I mean, he's going to miss. By what, the way, eight along games? your along your reasoning though about the forfeiture for the we were just arguing about uh, about the U.S. men's soccer team should they forfeit and then they're automatically in the World Cup and you said no compete. Ted Williams, Ted Williams, way back in the 1941. Or I know where like you're going. I know where you're going. Yeah, right. He he was hitting 400. It was like 399.6, right? And if he didn't play the final doubleheader of the season, he hits 400 for the first time in decades, right? No one had done it. He said, nope, played both games with a doubleheader. Multi-hit Got something like five or yeah, six hits. Multi-hit games, Hit 406 yep. for the season. Everyone's amazed by Ted Williams. If if we weren't playing for the playoffs, Chris, I'm sitting out, man. I'm sitting yeah, right, exactly, exactly. I'm sitting but Jay, according to you, LeBron should keep playing if he wants to score the, the scoring title, I right? Say, I didn't say he should keep playing. That man's 37 years old. So You're not talking reason. about it's not talking about footy. You're not talking about football where guys are 21, 22, have another 15 years of runway. This dude is turning 38 years old. Do me a favor, geek out with me, guys. I love doing stuff like this. This is oh yeah, you played in the NFL, you played in the NBA, but I this is what I got. This is all I have. You understand what I'm saying? All right. <laughs> what play-in team? That's seven through ten, right? Because all if you're seven, eight, nine, or ten, you got to play in the play-in tournament, right? Which play-in team in each conference are a 37-year-old LeBron, LeBron James away from being a championship contender next year? Just take LeBron off the Lakers, plop him on that other team, oh. and all of a sudden you're like, they go from a play-in team to, no, they really could win a championship. CeCe, let's right? go through it. This he, is too easy right now. I mean, the Cavs, you have to say the Cavs, right? Yes, <laughs> 1, 000, the Nets easily, yeah, yeah. right? So that's 6-7. and seven. Yep. Hornets? Like, mm. I Championship think, contender with LeBron? Little, yes. LeBron, Melo. They're a little early. They're, they're a little, a little early. early, but they're, they're still early. kind of right there. You yeah. think LeBron James with LaMelo Ball isn't going to at least push for a, to get out of the Eastern Conference? Miles Bridges. They're a little early, though. It's a little early. It'll be interesting. Put it this way. If I squint at it, maybe. Yeah, I can make it work. Exactly. The Hawks? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Trey, Trey Young. <laughs> yes. Uh, Bogdanovich. Yeah. Yeah. Minnesota. Not mm-hmm. that LeBron James would ever play in Minnesota, so, but, but Anthony he, Edwards would call Anthony Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. yes. Are you kidding? Minnesota. Minnesota. No, no, no question. Yeah. They wouldn't lose. No the Clippers. 
Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He said yeah. the Clippers. I mean, if PG, if PG and Kawhi ever ever play, I mean, yeah, but we'll, we'll see about yeah, that. Even without playing, they're going to be in the playoffs. So every team, Pelicans, nah. I I don't know. I nah. say yes. Zion nah. and, and and Zion. Hey, we, we, we really go. Hy- we really go bring up Zion. This is a hypothetical experiment. <laughs> okay, okay. Brandon Ingram. Talk about some of the pieces that. It, yeah, this is Ingram I, back yeah, then. This yeah, is Ingram now. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not saying back then. Ingram's all CJ McCollum. Zion Williamson. CJ McCollum. I can make a case. McCollum that, and Ingram is enough for LeBron right there. I can make a case that the Pelicans personnel is better suited for LeBron James to win a championship than the Lakers right now. I believe that. But a lot of that case is predicated on Zion Williamson no, 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 being no, no, healthy. No, no, not no, really. wait. C.J. McCollum, C.J. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, and Brandon Ingram. Listen, if both you add Zion, nice. if you add Zion, that's a cheat code with LeBron. That's not a championship team, though. If you had no. LeBron James, no, I'm not saying that's no, a championship team. That's not a championship it's team. It's close. I, I wait, thought contender. the assignment was a championship. You understood team. the assignment? Yeah, I understood look, the assignment. Chris, I'm, I'm, contender just means they're going to win a playoff series, maybe get to the conference oh, finals, wait. but they're one of the teams who say they could win a championship. I'm sorry, Valachunas, uh, Josh Hart. Yeah, of course they, they were. They're, they're close. They ain't far off, man. That's what I'm trying to tell you. They are not far off. They are not far off at all. The okay. point is that that's we, another one. If I squint at it, the point is the only team, the only playing team out of the eight in the NBA at this moment that you put LeBron James on, and there's no chance they're a championship contender is the Lakers. <laughs> that's that's crazy. And what that's it occurs wild. to me here's the conclusion I draw from it. Lakers don't really have AD. He misses so many games, he's basically not on the team, right? So take that off. So why did they get Russell Westbrook? They got Russell Westbrook. LeBron said it. He knew he and, or, or he, he knew he and AD are injured enough that they need someone to carry the team in their absence. So then I get mad at Westbrook. Yo, Westbrook, you're not. And then it occurs to me, wait a minute. Something Jay said when they traded for Westbrook. He, he is redundant with LeBron in a lot of ways. So if you don't have a team built that's right to be built around LeBron, and now you got a poor man's LeBron, Westbrook is set up to look even worse. Everyone's looking at him like, why can't you carry the team? Dude, I got no shooters. What do you want from me? Well, that's the thing, and Jake can speak to this better than I could, but, I mean, Russell Westbrook doesn't do a great job of playing off the ball, and he's not a prolific shooter, so essentially what's the value add if him and LeBron are on the court at the same time? He's not right. a lockdown defender. There is none. And if exactly. you got but shooters. LeBron, but LeBron was caping for him. This is the guy that LeBron wanted to make the move for this offseason. So when we start talking about the supporting cast not being good enough around LeBron James, we can't absolve LeBron James, the GM, for what's around him. So some of this has got to be on him. I get it. Rob Palenka, Jeannie Buss, they deserve their blame. But LeBron has got to get his fair share too. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. 
Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Chris Canty in for Key today. Yo. There he is. Yo. When you hear that voice, that's Chris Canty. Yeah, got to have some energy, man. It's early in the morning. Got to have a little bit of bounce. Yeah. You know. You a coffee guy? I am a coffee guy. I had to get some gas this morning just to get going. Me too. There you go. Oh, I live yeah, on coffee. I, I need, I need the coffee. Yeah. At least. How many cups do we go through, Max? Two oh. or three? Oh, during our show? For, yeah, that's just during the show. This isn't the only show I do, Jay. Oh. Let me tell you something. When I see after dinner and it's like 7 p.m. and need a blood sugar and I'm feeling drowsy and I'm looking at the kids thinking we still got bedtime routine ahead of us, mm-hmm. I got to do a double shot of espresso just to get through the bedtime routine, just to make it so I can crawl into bed and go to sleep. That's right. That's where we are. That's how. That's where we are, guys. Not quite Mike, there yet. Mike Tomlin. Yeah, you're, no you're not forty. Not, not, not quite there you're, yet. You're like Max a year ago when I saw <laughs> him walking into the set. <laughs> Jay, you look tired. I'm like, oh really? I look tired. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> so, guys, Mike Tomlin, one of the greatest head coaches in the NFL, uh, on the NFL meetings. This is his take on the NFL's new overtime proposals. To be quite honest with you, I'm a sudden death advocate. I'm a traditionalist. I don't fear sudden death, and I never have. Uh, but obviously, I lost that battle a decade ago. <laughs> but my position remains unchanged. I am one of the few sudden death advocates, I would imagine. I just think 60 minutes, everybody has had a fair opportunity to win the game. And, and so... You know, when you're talking about changes as it pertains to competitive fairness, I speak to the first 60 minutes that we all had to win the game. Man, Mike Tomlin's not trying to hear excuses. (laughs) Man, I love 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 Mike Tomlin. Every time I hear a soundbite by Mike Tomlin, I'm just like, man, I would run through a wall for this dude. He's that kind of head coach. There's a reason why he's never been below 515 years as the head guy in Pittsburgh. Unreal. But, I mean, he makes a great point, Max. I mean, the first 60 minutes of the game – that is your fair opportunity to win this. And so when we start talking about the different machinations on what could happen in overtime, we got to get past this whole thing about wanting to be fair. As my man Gojo used to say, fair is a place that they judge pigs at. Mm. It's not the National Football League. Hey, I want to give you my proposal because I'm going to do coach one better. Ready? He talks about he's not afraid of sudden death. I got one better for you. I want to be philosophically consistent with the nature of the game, right? Here's what overtime should be. It's going to feel even less fair to people, but this is what it should be. You play 60 minutes, it's over. You're out of time. There's no more time in the game, okay? What that means to me is the next score wins. So I'm good with sudden death. Oh, everyone has to touch the ball. No, no, I'm good with sudden death. Why are you even flipping a coin and kicking off? Keep playing where the ball is spotted. What's the down and distance? Keep playing football. All the time in the game is over. Keep playing football. Look, here, look, this is how it, at the end of the game, the, the team with the highest score wins, right? You got the most points you win. The time is over. There's no more clock. Keep playing until we find out who has the highest score. The only That's thing is easy. you can manage the game differently if you have the ball down the stretch. If there's time drilling down, you don't have to rush anything. You just, all right, cool. That's right. Just keep playing football. 
know. Why, why are we one. changing stuff? I don't know how I feel about that one. Yeah, I'm sitting here thinking about it because yeah, your end of game strategy and regulation so different. Would, exactly, would, would you can easy. So oh, let's not. Exactly. We don't. Have, we're not forced to throw the ball or be daring to make a play. Exactly. Just run it. Get a first down. Let time. Well, let's go just out. get the ball in the plus territory exactly. and play for a field goal opportunity because we know next score wins as soon as those clocks hit hit triple zero. So I mean that could mm. be the downside to what you're proposing. No, I, I don't think that there is a perfect answer. Perfect outside. is the enemy of the good, guys. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right about that, Max, but here's the thing. If the NFL is adamant about changing the rules, then I'm all about the proposal that the Baltimore Ravens made a couple of years ago with spot and choose, which is the team that wins the coin toss chooses where the ball is going to be spotted, whether you want to go with the plus 25 or you want to go with the minus 25, doesn't matter. And then the other team gets to determine whether or not they want the ball. So you determine your own strategy. It's kind of like that segment we have at 945, Choose Your Own Adventure. Mm -hmm. That's essentially what it would be if you won the coin toss in overtime, but it would be up to your team to pick the strategy that best fits your strengths. But uh, in, in terms of the NFL, we know that they make decisions based on what's in the best interest of the entertainment product. And this whole push to have both teams possess the ball is all about featuring the quarterback. It's true. Nothing yeah. else. Well, I want to be entertained. Like, I, I wanna, Are you not entertained? I'm always Are you not I'd entertained be, by the NFL? I, I, I wouldn't mind being more entertained. <laughs> oh, wait a minute, Jay. I thought you were Mr. They're both great. Yeah, they're both great. <laughs> Why are you saying more entertained now? Well, I, I, I'm not going to pick between LeBron and MJ. Why pick? Why choose any oh, individual <laughs> players? It's not a game, Max. Don't you put me in? A, nobody puts baby in a corner. Go ahead. All I'm going to say is your Titans suggestion, right? Yep. I like the fact that oh, the two point conversion. I, I like the element. I like the twist that puts on the game. Yeah. Okay. You score. If you, if you want to close it out. Go get a two-point conversion. Yeah. Like I, I like something that raises the stakes in the game by putting a team in that situation. Go get it done. If you really want to close it out, then don't kick the field goal. Don't kick the PAT. Close it out. Okay, yeah, let's, it's let, not, let a, me bad, go over it's the not a bad way to go. Let me go over the proposals under consideration, okay? Because those are – that's my idea. Uh, that's – Chris, you like the idea that was thrown out there, and Jay, you're talking about also the Titans. Let, let's go over the – the two proposals under consideration, actually, not fantasy – one is the Indianapolis Colts and the Philadelphia Eagles. They propose making it mandatory for uh, each team to have an overtime possession before moving to sudden death. No, everybody okay? gets a trophy. I don't like that. <laughs> no. The Tennessee Titans, meanwhile, proposed a tweak that would implement mandatory possession for each team unless the team that has the first possession scores a touchdown and converts a two-point attempt. Now, I like my proposal the best, but... Chris, that's legitimate criticism. It would change end game strategy, so the team that possessed the ball would seem to have an advantage. They wouldn't really. There wouldn't be urgency, right? Yeah. You, the the rule that you who came up with that one? Baltimore. Baltimore, right? Yep. That is a when this is what Chris may have convinced me with this argument, Jay. Since this is just about making it consumer friendly, mm -hmm. what I don't like about Baltimore's proposal is it's what is this new? It has nothing to do with football. You're just making new stuff up now. But football is wholly invented. It was invented to be perfectly consumer-friendly. <laughs> Why would I shy away from a new rule that makes it more interesting? It increases strategy. It does not give either team an unfair advantage because if you choose where the ball is spotted, the other team chooses who possesses it, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't just be lopsided in, for, in advantage for you. It's an interesting proposal. I think. What's your favorite, Jay, still, out of everything? I still like what the Tennessee Titans propose. I still like the added element 
of if you want to close something out, go for the two-point conversion. I, I just like when the stakes feel like they're raised. Mm-hmm. And teams that have moxie, you want to go for it. If you're a team like Tennessee, you believe more in your defense because of Mike Vrabel, then great. Then just take the field goal and then go get a stop. Yeah. I mean, it's another play that the defense has an opportunity to make a stop in order for their offense to get a chance to possess the ball. It's not a terrible idea. I think the one that we unanimously agree on that's an awful idea is the one the Colts proposed, which is both teams possess the ball. Okay, so what happens if both teams score touchdowns? Then the team that won the coin toss in overtime has an unfair advantage because if they score a touchdown, they win the damn game. So I I just think that has to be dismissed. But the Titans' proposal – not necessarily a bad one, but, I mean, if your defense couldn't stop them from marching down the field in the first place, what makes you think they're going to get a stop? Question. Point I have conversion? a question. I have a question. Okay. We have an answer. We'll see. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, in his first year as a starter, threw 50 touchdowns, set the world on fire against yes. only 12 interceptions. First year as a starter? Are you joking? He's in the AFC Championship game. People talk about triplets. They had quadruplets. Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, and Kareem Hunt. I thought, I've never seen this before. All four positions? Ridiculous, right? So he was a big deal. Tom Brady comes to town, has to go to the Chiefs. He throws an interception to end the game. Mahomes wins. They're heading to the Super Bowl. Oh, wait a minute. Pre-snap penalty. Hands Brady back the ball. Mahomes never touches it again. And Brady uh, goes on to win the Super Bowl, right? Uh, no. Lost to the Eagles that year. Was that the year they beat the Falcons? That doesn't matter. Anyway, the yeah. point is, Brady moves on. They see they beat the Rams, right? Brady moves on because I wanted the Rams, Chiefs. Everyone wanted that matchup. But Brady moves on. Mahomes goes home. I didn't hear. Maybe I'm forgetting, but I don't remember a big thing about how, oh, we got to change the overtime rules. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. There was a little bit of there that. Was little there was a little bit, bit of that, of that. Yeah. Okay. around that time. Yeah. But now we actually make it a rules change. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, one of the greatest quarterback matches you will ever see. They said it during the broadcast. Whoever touches this ball last is going to win this game, right? Josh yep. Allen was amazing. Patrick Mahomes touched the ball last. Game was over. Uh-oh. Overtime rules. Josh Allen doesn't get to touch the ball. They want to change the rules. Is there something going on with the disrespect of Mahomes here? No. Why is it that when it happened to him and the Chiefs, there wasn't that? Maybe you guys claim there was. I don't remember a big deal. And now it happened against Mahomes. No rules change. It happens for Mahomes. We might get a rules change. That's a great question, I think. It's a really good question. Coming, <laughs> Jay, coming from a Chiefs fan. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't, doesn't that seem uh, odd to you? I, no. Max see, see, I, I do remember... When the whole Tom Brady, Patrick Holmes situation went down, there was a lot of talk about rules change. Yeah. Like it maybe wasn't it wasn't elevated to the level it is now that we're finally actually getting more proposals, but there was talk I about think it. Mahomes, But I think the bigger push now is because of the disparity when it comes to win loss record based on who wins the coin toss in overtime in the playoffs yeah. versus what we see up. in the regular season. Because in the regular season, it's negligible whether you win the coin toss. It doesn't necessarily correlate to winning the game. But when you win the coin toss in the playoffs, I mean, that's basically a certainty that you're going to win that game. I think Mm -hmm. that uh, the sample size isn't huge, but there's enough there to start raising your eyebrows for sure. And it's added since the Mahomes thing. But what I think it was, I think Mahomes was basically a first-year player, essentially a rookie. I mean, he'd been in the league, but he hadn't really played. And people were like, he has plenty of time. Don't worry. Don't complain. 
Tom Brady looked like was near the end. How little did we know? At least little did I know. And and, and Josh, she wanted to be the first one yeah. at that party, Jay. And, and Josh Allen. Well, he did fall off the cliff just of retirement. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, he didn't even. Even then. Even he then. He came yeah, right back. He's like the coyote, like the roadrunner. He went off and there was nothing but air. He went right back on. But but I think Josh Allen, too, had been building for it. The Bills had been coming. He'd been in the league for a minute, and people were like, oh, it doesn't seem fair. But I do think there's a difference in the way we reacted when it happened against Mahomes and when it happened for him. I'm just saying, I really think we might get a rules change right now. That might happen, guys. Keyshawn J. Willemax coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. We want to hear from you. Which NFL overtime rule is best? 888-729-3776. 888-SAY-ESPN. Flash in South Carolina. He's either real slow or real fast, but he could be real slow. You know, you call a short guy nosebleed. What's going on, Flash? I'm real fast, man. I'm with Mike Tom. I like setting death rules, man. Oh. Huh? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not mad at it. Like, there is I, – I am a firm believer, CC. Mm. I'll give you an example, smaller, small degree. I know we have more callers, but I have two kids with a third on the way. If my kids are competing, my daughter wants to play soccer, and they end up going in the tournament, and they come in fifth place, I'm like, baby, look – I'm not going to give you a trophy. You came in fifth place. Yeah. Like if you come in first or second or third, maybe you get a trophy. But if you don't, I don't like this whole thing where it's like, oh, like everybody gets rewarded to a degree. I, I don't like it being equal on both sides. Either you win. I agree with that to a degree. I mean, yeah. the only thing I find interesting is either the Baltimore proposal or the Tennessee proposal because it still adds the element of knocking it out, knocking your opponent out. Yeah, you still got to actually go win the game. Yes. You know what I mean? And you got to stop the other team from winning the game with based on what you do with your defense. So I'm with you on that. I just – I don't understand why we're caught up in the every team has to have an opportunity to possess the ball because that's just not true. As Tom has said, they had all game to possess the ball. Exactly. Like you got so 60 Chris, minutes. Chris, I don't mean to cut you off. Or I do, actually, because I want to get to something else you said, but it was yesterday. Okay. Okay, listen to this. I don't think the Dallas Cowboys are going to win their own division. I think it's the Eagles. Okay, and I think the Eagles are good, but I'm still looking at the Cowboys as the team to beat in that division. Like, And for you to say that you don't think they're going to win, I'm like, who's going to beat them? Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, our very own GM. Here on Keyshawn J. Willemax, Chris Canty sitting in for Key today. What do you think of what Chris Canty said yesterday, Mike? Uh, I like Chris Canny a lot, and as a former Cowboy, I was surprised and disappointed. And over 17 games, I'm going to go with Dak Prescott and a really good Dallas Cowboy team over Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles. Thank you, Mike T. That sounds Thank good, you, Mike T. T. That sounds good. Time somebody but, but, but spoke Mike, some sense to CC. But Mike T is assigning a lot of success to a Dallas Cowboys team that's quite frankly going to look a lot different going into 2022 than where they left off in 2021. Mike, what about that? Chris's real argument to me seemed to be yesterday, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Chris. I don't mean to put words in your mouth. But it seemed to be, look at the line of scrimmage. Offensive line, check Eagles. Defensive front, check Eagles. The line of scrimmage is where it's at. So you want Dak Prescott to make up all the difference? Has he really done that in recent years, Mike? Or ever? Yeah, and if, and if you look at the Cowboy offensive line, I'm not so sure they're as bad as it looks, you know, Terrence Steele compared to Lel Collins, not sure if that's a big difference. Connor Williams led the NFL in penalties for an offensive lineman. I think they'll address some of that uh, in this year's draft. Look, losing Amari Cooper, that doesn't make you better, but they do have Gallup, C.D. Lamb, 
I'm sure they'll add another receiver there. And then defensively, losing Randy Gregory, I think, is a loss. But Dante Fowler's been with Dan Quinn before. I think he'll give him meaningful snaps. And I think Dorrance Armstead, uh, Armstrong will as well. And it goes back to the old Bill Walsh axiom guys, which is he always wanted fourth quarter pass rushers. He used to chart how much his starting defense alignment played in the first half. So they were fresh in the fourth quarter. And I think what they're trying to do is have a little bit more volume there. Um, but I, I agree. I think losing Randy Gregory is a big loss. But again, this draft is loaded with what they need, receivers and pass rushers. Mike T., you're not keeping in a buck when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys. To say that there's not a, a significant difference between Lyle Collins and Terrence Steele, come on now, big fella. I mean, you're talking about an offensive tackle that's had over 70 starts in the National Football League, and he's in his 20s. Moving on from a guy like that for Terrence Steele, I, I'm, just, I'm just not sure – that there's not a significant difference. And then Tyron Smith, the all-world left tackle for the Dallas Cowboys, hadn't had a healthy season since 2015. Lose Connor Williams, Tyler Biotis has been somewhat of a disappointment. Your offensive line needs to be reworked. Not to mention, you're losing a lot of firepower in your skill position core. So I don't think it's as simple as the Dallas Cowboys reloading on the offensive side of the ball. they got some serious issues, and that has been the identity of this team since Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott got there. Yeah, that's a fair point. We also talked about Jason Kelsey has great intangibles, but he's also 400 years old. They have questions at right guard. So I like what Philadelphia has done philosophically. They've done a lot to address both the lines on both sides of the ball. But Fletcher Cox, clearly his best days are behind them as well. So while Dallas does have some question marks, Chris, I think that's fair. When you look at the uh, their competitors, they're not exactly uh, beyond reproach either. Mike, see, I Jeff went- Stoutland, too, yeah. by the way, the O-line coach for the Eagles. The work he's done is... Top notch. Sorry, Jay. No, it's all good. Mike T, I wanted to bring it back to the quarterback for a second. You always have an interesting stat about Jalen Hurts every time you came on the show and talked about it this year, about how he throws the ball. It's 20 yards or more. His completion rate isn't that great. What, what, what makes you think that Jalen Hurts won't take the next step? Do you think he has it in him to become an elite quarterback in this division? You know, Jay, well, that's a great point because when you look at Josh Allen, he did something that historically – was really rare, and you got to give the Bills credit, which was his completion percentage increased dramatically from Wyoming to Buffalo. And my concern from Philadelphia's standpoint, if you go back to Jalen Hurts, Alabama, Oklahoma, his first couple of years with Philadelphia, there's a lot about his game to like a lot. But driving the ball down the field, he's just been inconsistent. Now, maybe it can get better because I do believe in the saying that the tape sets the floor and the character sets the ceiling. And Jalen Hurts' character is off the charts. You talk to anybody that's ever been around him, he has rare character. So I think he'll maximize his ability. But to win consistently in the NFL, when the field gets compressed, you've got to throw the ball down the field accurately. And that's something he struggled for most of his career. Mike T., there have been some reports that the uh, that uh, John Lynch, the GM for the San Francisco 49ers, has multiple second-round picks out there for Jimmy Garoppolo, but they haven't executed a trade yet. And it seems like there would be only one team that would be a likely landing spot for Jimmy G. If, if you're the GM for the 49ers and you got a chance to get at least a second and maybe two seconds, don't you have to do that deal, even if it's talking about dealing a guy to a division opponent? There's no way I would trade Jimmy Garoppolo. They have a really wow. good team. They can get to the Super Bowl. They got to the Super Bowl three years ago. If Jarski Tart catches that pl- pass from Matt Stafford, who knows? They could have been Super Bowl champions. 
And when you look at a 17-game season, while I'm super intrigued by Trey Lance as well, why not have depth at the most important position? I mean, Chris, the team you follow so closely, the New York Giants, not to say that Jalen Jones was great, but they became non-competitive when they had to play Jake Fromm and Mike Lennon. So if I'm the 49ers, I'm in no rush to get rid of a quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I'm with you, Mike. Jimmy Garoppolo, all he does is win. All he does is win. Like Mike Tannenbaum. Thanks, Mike T. Always great to have you, brother. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. We're back in a sec. ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.